With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Today, we are going to tell you our early impressions for Final Fantasy 16, which is actually out the day this podcast comes out. So hopefully, hopefully you guys are all playing, but we're going to tell you how we think about, about the game so far. That's right. It's out. We have been playing it. There's some things that uh, surprised us based on our initial expectations and thoughts. So yeah, yeah we're going to dig deep into this big new game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are in a different place, and we're going to tell you all about where you are at. But that means this podcast, as it's still going, will be a little bit different as well. So um, hopefully you guys are are still hanging with us while we navigate Kit being in a different country. For How dare I go on vacation? Week. Not allowed. Well, it's very much allowed, which is why you're there. So um <laughs> As always, everything on this channel is made possible by our wonderful Patreon family. Thank you so much for supporting us and everything that we do. Please subscribe on patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. People in our Discord have been having a good time with uh, the will, will they or won't they with this Nintendo Direct. There is a number of people who have profile picture bets who are about to switch their profile picture oh, to Mariah boy. Carey. Why is it Mar- Mariah Carey? I we haven't got know. a clue. It's, it's impossible to find out. Um, <laughs> so all this to say, our Discord is a great place to hang out. Uh, people tell us this is their favorite place on the internet all the time. And that is just a taste of the great stuff and exclusive content you can get on our Patreon. Exactly. There's also a free trial and um, you can join at no cost and you can participate in things like our polls or when we do cool Vista contests and, and um, other stuff, you can um, check it out there. And we also have a free tier. So lots of different ways to to get in on this. My dog is, what is happening. With a Hold on. <laughs> Jerry, come here. <laughs> yes, everything is fine. Keep going. The third Keep podcast going. member. Keep going. Um, so where am I? Yes, let's let's cut to the chase with this. Uh, I will give the good listeners and viewers three hints and see if they can find it out. Hint one, I am somewhere in Asia. Yes. Hint two, I am on an island. Hint three is not Japan. (laughs) You just spoiled this. You just spoiled my great reveal. Hint three. So many places. Hint three was that one of the trademark foods here is a noodle soup. I think a lot of people would have said, oh, you're in Japan. The food is ramen. I'm not in Japan. Uh, I am in Taiwan. Um, I believe it or not, I actually have family out here. And I know so many people who had the same story of like, oh, I was about to go on a trip. I had this trip scheduled for July 2020. And guess what? <laughs> Travel wasn't happening in July 2020. So it's finally been pushed out, but I'm finally here. It's so great. Uh, I've been here a number of times before, but it's uh, a really fun place to be. The um, pastime here seems to be nonstop eating. Like yes. the times that I have been here, like I have eaten, Big like I've never, never eaten before. So um, I'm looking forward to coming back about 50 pounds heavier um, than I was. But yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, lots of delicious food to eat. 
Um, it's also very hot there right now. It's like the, the middle of summertime in Asia, which could be a little rough with the humidity and the heat, which is quite different from California. But yes, you are on vacation. We are still doing a podcast somehow. I don't know how. It's great. It's Look, no, this is great. Um, I have some plans. We're going to do a video later on where I'm going to try and go check out the gaming scene out here. Um, yeah. I'm going to do some research and find out like kind of where that's all concentrated and do a little vlog for all of you with that. I did see as I was going about town yesterday, I'm in Taipei, by the way, uh, a huge, huge billboard on the side of a building for Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Nintendo did have, I don't know if they still do have, but this was kind of the headquarters of Nintendo Asia, which is sort of like all of the non-Japan mm-hmm. parts of Asia. Yes. So there's definitely a huge gaming presence and community here that I'm going to be digging into. Yeah, I always love to go to a different country and see what the gaming scene is like. Right. Um, so it's always fun to see like what other people are into. I, I do feel like Nintendo and a lot of the very popular games that are out there are quite global nowadays. Um so it'd be interesting to see what other games people are into in Taiwan and what they do in terms of, um, you know, finding their communities while they're playing video games. So, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. All right. Other things happening. We have several many Zelda videos on the channel. Um, already live is a video that we did um, about five small improvements um, that would make Tears of the Kingdom, which is a near perfect game, just a teensy bit better. Um, so check that out if you haven't yet, but yeah, these are like easy things that I think the dev team could do in like DLC or some kind of update or patch, but there's just some little nits that we were like, oh, if only this game had this quality of life thing, it would make it, you know, exponentially better and more enjoyable to play. Yeah, we were talking about this recently where, yeah, this game took years and years and years to make. They were talking about how they basically spent the last year just doing polish. But it's like, yeah, some of these little quality of life things sort of snuck through where it could be a little bit better. It could be a little bit easier to figure out or do certain things. So, yeah, we got five of those picked out. Maybe you agree. Maybe you got another one that you want to add to the list. But uh, I like that video a lot. Yeah, I read some of the comments in there and a lot of people agreed with what we said are ones that we would love to see fixed um, in a future update. And some of them had a couple of other ones that I was like, oh, that's a that's a good call as well. Like people had some like add ons to some of ours, which I was I, I definitely agreed with. So let us know if you have small improvements as you spend hours and hours in Tears of the Kingdom like we have. Um, another Tears of the Kingdom video that would be out at the time of this podcast being out is something that we were really excited about to redo in Tears of the Kingdom. We did this video in Breath of the Wild when we were at Nintendo for a Nintendo Minute, which is ride versus run. And in Breath of the Wild, we did it with horses and Link just hoofing it, like running and seeing which one is faster, How if you can get from point A to point B faster on a horse or just running. This time, it was a little different. We did it with vehicles, like building some sort of vehicle and running, which turned out to be a lot more mind-boggling than it should have been, especially for me. So you guys can watch my epic fail. That was this video. You uh, might assume, like, oh, you know, in the original video, the horse is obviously faster or the vehicle is obviously faster. But Link has the element of mobility. When yes. he is on foot, climbing, gliding, all that stuff. So exactly. it's actually a much, much closer matchup than you might think. Exactly. It's always like 
you can't underestimate how easy it is for links to get around on foot because of all of the mobility options. And this time there's other things like getting into a tower and shooting up the tower and seeing if exactly. you can use that to your advantage. Although the Zonite vehicles, you can build some really cool ones, but the thing is you have to build them fast and um, be able to you know pilot it well, which turned out to be quite the challenge for me. So there was that. <laughs> Oh, there, no. was some, there was a there was a the pretty much like a breakdown moment that I had in this video that was quite unexpected. Right. So anyways, uh, finally, you might be wondering what where where is all the Nintendo Direct content of this video? So we are recording this uh, before the start of the week. We don't know if this Nintendo Direct is happening. Mm-hmm. If it is, we'll have some other stuff up on our channel that you can check out where all the stuff is there. If it didn't, let's never speak of it again. <laughs> I'm getting pretty tired of all the crazy rumors. I can see how it definitely is a different feeling being on the outside for these rumors than being on the inside. When we were at Nintendo, the rumors, you know, Nintendo Direct rumors that would pop up very often would be something that we also had to deal with, but in quite a different way. And now it's like the opposite where somehow we are still dealing with Nintendo Direct rumors, but in a quite different way. And it makes makes it a little bit a little bit stressful because you are on vacation and the time zones are really different for both of us this time around. So not to like take the air out of people's hope and and prayers for a Nintendo Direct, but I really hope one does not happen because I don't want to deal with it, honestly. So is yeah. that what you think or what you want to happen? I don't, I don't know even what to think. I, I think one is actually happening. I'm just praying to every God that I know to not have one this next week. I just, oh. I can't deal with it alone. Like, I just don't want to. Like, it just, you sent me this email right before this on a Sunday night that was like, this is what we should do. If there is a direct and I've already like, I just, I just like, I like deleted it. Cause I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this. I like oh, literally no. cannot deal with this. It's like uh, so many weird options of what to do. Like do it with a guest, do it with, I'm going to send you my prediction so you can just read them out loud. Like a newscaster. I'm like, I don't want to do any of this. It's terrible. Uh, all right. So. This conversation's gone to a stress- stressful place. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> if you love me, people out there on the internet, please pray that there is not a Nintendo Direct until Kit comes back from vacation in July. But the let's Mariah put, Carey bets. Let's put the thoughts. Let's put those thoughts out there into the ether. I'm going to manifest to my my best abilities. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is a Nintendo Direct. Oh my god! Um, no, I don't. I let's don't take it. a moment to thank our first sponsor, which is Factor. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Guess what? I have a big Factor order waiting for me when I get back home. Because That's I am great. Not, I am not going to the grocery store. I'm not dealing with any of that. I'm just going to have the food ready for me. Exactly. That is the opposite of being stressed out by a potential Nintendo Direct. That's right. Not being stressed out by your meal options, being able to stay on track with your fitness goals and eating well and having an easy solution. That is Factor and we love it. Um, Very easy. You get the meals. You just pop it into the microwave. Two minutes, ready to go. And they have delicious smoothies, which I love as a healthy snack. So, wonderful. There are 34 weekly options, so there is so much to choose from, and they have recently added uh, surf and turf, and I like this, surf and surf. 
options. Oh, just the pescatarian yes. for <laughs> yes. me. All the different types of fish that you want. But yeah, that's one of the great things about it is every time that you go in, there's something new to check out and try out. And it's so fast uh, to get ready. Again, it's a, it's a ready to eat meal um, that you just throw in the microwave and uh, you're good to go. And this stuff is delicious. Yeah. We've been eating it all the time. So good. Yeah. So head to factormeals.com slash kittenchrista50 and use code kittenchrista50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code kittenchrista50 at factormeals.com slash kittenchrista50 to get 50% off your first box. Yum. I'll put the link right over here and also in the description below. All right. Why don't we get in straight into the games we are playing? Uh, we will get into our big Final Fantasy 16 topic here. But first, I feel like we're almost at the end of our Tears of the Kingdom updates. So let's do that first. Yes. You have since beaten the main story of the game. You've defeated Ganon. Right. You have done all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah. What are your, without spoiling for everybody, obviously, me included because I've not done it yet. Like, what were your final thoughts, feelings, reactions after, like, rolling the credits, basically? Yeah, so I, in our last episode, had just triggered the final quest, and I didn't know, like, gosh, how long is this going to be? Is this going to lead to even more little quests along the way? Because I really wanted to wrap that up before I went on this trip. Like, I did not want to finish the game on an airplane or, any, like, I wanted to experience that on a TV in all its glory. Um, I did that basically in its entirety the following day. Um, so it was a good, you know, couple hours quest to finish the game and wrap up. Um, I really liked the, the, you know, the final portions of this game. I think I, in comparison to breath of the wild, I think I liked this a little bit better. Um, I think the, the boss encounter was really well done. Um, didn't rely on any sort of gimmicky stuff. I never like it when like they introduce some new thing in the final battle. It's like, Oh, yeah. this is, this is the whole hook of the final battle. Uh, I, again, I won't spoil it, but it felt very true to know, what it was used, use the things that you have learned so far. Um, and then there was sort of a, a final, final sequence that, um, was really breathtaking and, um, it's hard to talk about without going into a lot of specificity, but the, the the way that I've been describing it to people is like, I have never been pushing the screenshot button more when I was mm -hmm. doing like a sequence yeah. in a game, because just like every time it's like, Oh, that looks cool. Wow. That looks cool. There's something amazing happening. So it's just like mm -hmm. burp, 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 the whole time. So now I have been um, turned loose in Hyrule without any of that hanging over my head anymore. I played this game basically nonstop on the very long flight over here. And it's just, wonderful to um you know be able to explore freely and um you know know that i've done all of the story stuff in the game so i know we've been playing it pretty differently where you've been doing yeah. a lot of the other stuff before you finalize the story i kind of wanted to do it the other way yeah we're really different in the way that we approach this game like i only am interested in the exploration part of it if i have the reward of finishing the game and learning the conclusion to the story, because I know if I beat the game now without doing the exploration part of it, I would just never go back and I won't be able to like, I, I want to move on to a different game, like Final Fantasy being, being that game. And I feel like if I beat the game, then it's going to kill my motivation to finalize all that exploration. And for some reason, and I actually didn't, you know, a hundred percent complete, 
Breath of the Wild. And I wasn't interested in doing that at all. I think I, I wrapped up Breath of the Wild at about 90 shrines. Um, I certainly left lots of areas unexplored in that in that game. Um, so it's weird to me in a good way that I've really like become quite the little completionist with Tears of the Kingdom, which is not like me at all. Usually I'm not like a completionist kind of person. Um, I think the main motivation is that I do like to have the map filled out. Like I have this like weird need to just like not have any unfinished map areas. And so the, the fact that there is the depths, the depth map and the Hyrule map both need to be filled out in these different ways has really motivated me to continue the exploration. So I just uh, completed my entire depth map. I got all the light routes. Um, so that was quite the accomplishment. You get like a little dinky medal when you finish that. So it's nothing to write home about. But That's it? That's it. Oh. You, get a little, you, get a little, you get a little message that's like, good job. You completed the, All you, right. you have dispelled the darkness. Oh, um, okay. And then you get this little, a little acorn metal. It's literally nothing. It's nothing at all. Like, Corn don't poop? do it. No. Oh. Don't do it if you think that the reward at the end is yeah. going to be fantastic. Do it because you want to, you want to do yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I found that, that, that whole, like, gameplay loop of completing the map down in the depths and relating it back to the map of Hyrule was very interesting. Like we, there was so many like similarities between the two worlds and you're just like all the light routes are connected to the shrines, obviously. So I was using it as a way to like, even like get more shrines in Hyrule. If I got a light route, that was a shrine that I haven't gotten yet. So there was a lot of this like weird relativity between the two um, areas that I found to be fascinating and yeah, it was really it was really interesting to do it. Um, the light routes are a bit of a puzzle. Some of them are very very difficult to get to, and you have to like really like figure out how to how to do it. So I was enjoying that quite a bit. I've completed that. I am 19 shrines away from getting all the shrines, so I'm going to get the shrines. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think at that point I'm going to beat the game. So um, yeah, I'm pretty much like so I'm, I'm almost there. So the thing was that the light route location correlates to a shrine. Yeah. But there are more shrines than light routes. Correct. So you might still have some shrines, like maybe well, the ones that are in the, the sky. The in the sky. Yeah, the sky shrines that, are the that ones that don't that match are. up with that. Okay. Correct. Yeah. For all these shrines that you're doing, I take it you're not using anything to help you, like any like really hard to find ones, help you find them? Are you just using the little locator thing? Yeah. It's so hard. Some of them are. That's a lot. Some of them are so, like, so unintuitive, I would say. Right. Like, a lot of the shrines, I will say, that's towards the end game, like the ones that you don't see, obviously, are in caves. Yeah. So you really have to, like, navigate your way through them. And it's it's really hard because the cave system is really, really, like, dense in this game. Um, obviously, you know, it's something that the, I think the dev team like intentionally did so that you would be exploring these caves to find these shrines. Um, and yeah, some of them are like, there's no way you could know 
unless you just wandered around for hours, that this cave was connected to the shrine because they are so far apart from each other. You're like, there is no way that's the entrance to that shrine, but it totally is. So yeah, it is really, some of them are really, really hard um, to get to. There is a couple that I was just like, I don't understand where this is beeping at me. It's telling me that it's nearby down below. I cannot find this entrance. Where could it be? And then like hours later, I would be like totally somewhere else in the map. And I'd be like, oh, that was the shrine. That was the entrance to it. That's quite an accomplishment crazy. for you to like basically 100%. I mean, obviously, there's still like Korok stuff. I'm, I'm sure you're not going to be doing all of those. No, uh, but that, that's a huge accomplishment. You should be proud of that. Yeah, I, I do think you get something when you complete the shrines. That's quite cool. Another medal? No, something no. else. I won't spoil it for people that are wanting to do this on their own. So um, there is like some something that you get for the shrines, which I think is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, like it's a very like anticlimactic what they do with the map. Because even when you complete the Hyrule map, it's like you completed the map. Right. Moving on. <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I really like it. I, it's brilliant the way that they designed the game that the depth map and the Hyrule map are interconnected in that way. It's absolutely incredible like that is some amazing world building level like level design or whatever you want to call it like incredibly done um so yeah it's really kept my attention which was not the case in tears of uh, i'm sorry in breath of the wild so i'm just really surprised because again i'm not like a completionist at all so yeah and I i remember when the game came out i think you felt a little down on the shrines being so ultra hand puzzle heavy so yeah. some, something must have turned around for you to, to do Yeah, this. I think that the later shrines that you get are very different. Like getting to the shrine is a puzzle in itself. So that then those shrines become like the Raru's Blessing Shrines where you just go immediately to. that. There's no like other thing in the shrine. There Finding are a, the shrine is a there thing. There are quite a few of those. There's more in the end because it takes so long to find them. Maybe now. more than I would have expected, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. The other ones that I really like is the naked and afraid shrines where yeah. you're just like nude in a shrine. I like those like, too. Deal, deal with it. There's one that I did where you're you're naked and it was dark. Oh, it was I really done good. I, I died twice, but it was really fun. <laughs> um, there are also the ones where it's like the crystal shrine quest where you have to like the, the shrine, the rock for the shrine and the shrine are two separate yeah. locations. You have to like reunite them. Those are really fun. You usually have to build some sort of like ridiculous vehicle to transport the crystal which is always like a fun puzzle to solve. So yeah, I feel like it's gotten better. Um, the beginning shrines were so ultra hand heavy and I was like, I don't really like this. Um, so I was bad at it. That's why now I'm not, mm. I'm not bad at it anymore. I'm like good at it now. So the other thing I want to ask you about is, so you have now explored all of the depths. Obviously that seems to be the thing that was motivating you was unlocking all of those roots. Yeah. I have not spent a ton of time in the depths. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've done some exploring. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, that the game sends you down there to do. I haven't found it as compelling and as much to do as the other two parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, have, what have you found there that might change my mind on that? Yeah, I think that the depths is, is a pretty interesting place. Like, obviously you know, the, all the mines are down there. So when we were trying to like fill up those batteries, that was yeah. important. Um, the light routes, um, completing that was important to me, but down there, I wouldn't say it was, it's like beyond 
those things, it's not like a must do. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to do it. And there's really nothing down there that I, I would say is like, oh my gosh, if you miss this part of the game, then like that would okay. really, really suck. Um, there's very difficult enemies down there. So if you want like a kind of like a boss challenge. Okay. Like there's something fun there. And of course there's those treasures that you can get from the maps, like of different like outfits and things like that, um, that you can get down there, which some of them, I, I got the, um, the twilight tunic down there. I was really oh, excited nice. about that one. Cause you know, that's my favorite game. So I was, I was like, or oh, you could scan really Amiibo. Cool. Or you, I don't, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do any of the Amiibo stuff. So yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you can do that too. The other thing I would say that's kind of interesting about the depths is like you do get um, like some of the bosses that you encounter in the temple temples, you do get like a different version of them right down in the depths. So like if you wanted to fight one of those bosses again, but in a different way, that would be something to do down there. I suppose. Okay. Oh, and the Yiga, the Yiga are all. Yeah down the depths and you can get some like cool schematics and stuff like that. Yeah. I just haven't been able to really get into much of a groove and maybe it's something I'll try and do now is just, you know, beyond just the light route stuff, just like really, really dig into what's there and see yeah. what the flow of that is and how that feels. Cause it, it's definitely different than the other two. I don't dislike it there. I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong idea about that, but it just doesn't compel me mm-hmm. to do stuff the way the other two locations did. I would say the my most favorite thing that I did in the depths was something that I actually did recently, which is related to the Korok forest. So in true, you know, Zelda fashion, if you try to go into that forest in Hyrule, you'll get, you know, the Lost Woods will, will um, you'll get the fog and you'll be like, you know, pushed back to the, the entrance they did a really interesting thing where they basically connected all three layers of that area. So there is the depth part of the Korok forest. There is the lost woods part of the Korok forest in Hyrule. And there's a sky element as well. And to complete that area, you basically have to do all three. And it's really interesting, like what they they like integrated. I, I really wish that the whole world, oh, that'd be so hard. I, I can see why they didn't do this for the whole world, but it would be so amazing if the whole world of Hyrule, like every area that you unlock with the, the um, towers was connected to the depths in the same way. Like the way that the Korok forest quests really integrated you into all three areas was quite amazing and I really enjoyed it because I really like motivated you to like oh I need to I really need to like help them you know I need to like do this quest um versus it just being like sort of exploring for the sake of exploring and seeing what you run into in the dark and that you know in the depths um so I think if you if anything you should do that part next in your wanderings um because that was a really interesting fun thing to do in the depths that i think um you you have to do it that way or else you can't get through that korok forest so that's cool i actually have not been to that location at all 
because I don't like the feeling of, of getting lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that does sound cool. And, and, and a lot of the Corex have started been starting to tell me like, hey, there's something going on there. You should check it out. But I've sort yeah. of been brushing it yeah. off. But what, what you just said sounds really neat. So there's I mean, a memory I'll, I'll there, soon. too, that you unlock. Oh, memory really? number one is the one that you unlock there. Oh. I was wondering why that was a question mark for me for so long. Huh. And I was like, oh, I did okay. that. One. It was a, it was the last memory I unlocked actually because I had unlocked all the other ones. I just didn't nice. Know. Um, so, anyways, yeah, that one's that was really fun. Well, maybe our podcast next week will be our final Tears of the Kingdom update. I think so. We don't wow. review games, but we might review. But this what? One. <laughs> but we might review this one. You're going to review it? Okay. Yeah. I played wow. like 180 hours. I think I can review this one. <laughs> I got all the shrines. I got you all the like, I think I can review. 500 hours before you can definitively. Oh, I need all the Koroks yeah. before I can review a game. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, let's move on to our big Final Fantasy 16 discussion. Uh, as you said, the game is out. Uh, we have been playing the demo, which came out recently mm-hmm. and has a good chunk of the game. Yes. Before we get into that, I thought maybe we could just start by saying, like, where were we before? We played this game just as far as what we thought of this, what we had seen so far without actually going hands-on. Yeah, I think we were both pretty excited about going back to the fantasy part of Final Fantasy. And that was one of the main things that stuck out to us is like it's been many Final Fantasy games um, that hasn't had that like true sort of fantasy aspect. And we both liked 4 and 6 quite a bit, which had more of that fantasy storyline and characters um so i was pretty excited that we were finally going back to like medieval like dragons and mythical creatures and you know kings and queens and noble people and all that stuff like i was pretty excited about that i agree that that was something that was really exciting for me my favorite final fantasy is final fantasy 4 which is extremely that sort of a setting exactly so I, I fully agree with you there. The one thing that I was a little skeptical of was the big transition uh, of battle systems. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not like a hardcore purist where I'm like, oh, it has to be turn-based or something like yeah. that. But but turning it into basically a single-player action game, I was like, that doesn't mm-hmm. feel very Final Fantasy. I like the aspect of having a party. Yeah. I like how all of those characters can do things in unison to mm-hmm. f- make it feel like uh, a, you know, a unified group. So the idea of just having you know, people have been making like the devil may cry comparison so much. And that really turned me off. Like, I don't love those types of games where sure. it's just like rack up this crazy combo for no apparent reason. Yeah. So that was something that I did have some doubts about. Going yeah. On. Yeah. Like the, the beautiful combos, like the Bayonetta type, like that kind of ridiculous, like, like sort of dramatic action um, is not something that I usually like sort of seek out either. I'm not like super into that either. Yeah. When it's like, um, oh, you did a 99 hit combo, but the thing died in the first two hits. <laughs> it's like that, that never made a lot of sense to me. Right. Right. I, I did want it to, I kind of wanted to give like before I played the game, I was like, well, I'll give it benefit of the doubt because I feel like they're really trying to like lean into this adventure RPG aspect of the game 
Um, they're really trying to develop this character and make you feel very connected to that one character, that one main character. Um, so maybe like that's the reason why they really want you to like focus your gameplay with that character. Um, so anyhow, I was like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but I definitely were, was like a little bit skeptical as well um, as to how this battle system was going to play out. The one other thought that I had, and this maybe I'm the only one who thought this, but in so many of the trailers and videos they were putting out, the game seemed to be perpetually happening at night. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's just like this it's a game does not have a lot of color. It just seems very dark. Um, like I was saying, everything seems to be happening at nighttime. Like I, I feel like Final Fantasy is a very colorful series, That's really true. like yeah. fantastical worlds. Um, you know, a lot of beautiful settings. So I, I wanted to see more of that. And again, th- that may have just been my own personal like one of one hang up, but I was like, why why are they keep showing these nighttime scenes? Enough this is with like the night. Game of Thrones where they like spent like millions and millions of dollars on a battle sequence that happened at night and no one could see yeah. it. <laughs> it's like a guy in a room with one candle. Turn on the it's lights. Like, Turn the light on. You got like a dragon just like breathes some fire for goodness right, sake. Right, right, right. Yeah. The other thing I was like a little bit just kind of on the fence about was like the characters they were featuring i'm like okay they're very and there was even like a big to do about this where it's like all the characters are very like samey kind of like the typical you know fantasy type characters that you see in like medieval you know europe or whatever and it's like okay we're like back into like the 90s here or something um and the devs had like a weird response to that so i was a little bit put off but I was like, you know, the, the, some of the the really wonderful and things about Final Fantasy that we love is like the characters are very really, like fantastical and they're very like not rooted in reality. So I was like hopeful that maybe we'll get a bit more of a glimpse into that. And it's not just like some random like, you know, it's just like the typical like I'm just a human knight that's doing my thing, you know. Yeah. So um, but yeah, but, but but besides that, I think we were both very excited about this game it was going to it had always been on our list since since the beginning of the year that you know after we wrap up tears of the kingdom we're definitely going to play this game next this is like our big summer game that we're going to play um and yeah i think this has always been like the next thing that we were going to like really dig into um after zelda so here we are yeah, so the demo, if people haven't checked it out yet, is a pretty good chunk of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, surprised. You right, starts you right from the beginning, and you do basically the first chapter. And then once you finish that, there's a whole other thing that you can do that's from later in the game where you can try sort of a more elaborate combat setup, which is nice. Yeah. Um, your progress does carry over, which is yes. cool. Uh, never fun to replay stuff that you did in a demo. But yeah, I think they understood some of the skepticism that people had about this. So mm-hmm. doing a demo like this is, was a really smart idea, I thought. Yeah, I was really surprised at how in-depth and just lengthy that demo was. Like they certainly put like all of the the things that they felt I think was very special about this game, really um, compelling about this game, like into this free demo that you could just try. Like this is a great way to sell a game. Cause yeah, I hit the buy button right after I finished the demo. And I think a lot of people probably did the same thing. Cause that demo was very, very well done. And it answered a lot of my questions about, and, and sort of addressed some of the skepticism I think I had about 
um, you know, whether it's the battle system or the characters or like what the feeling of the game was going to be like, um, things that I was hadn't had a full grasp on until I play the demo. Like, I feel like those questions have totally been answered. What was the last Final Fantasy that you played Seven. in terms in terms of the chronology of release? Oh, chronology of release. Oh, like, gosh. did you play 13? Obviously, we have not played 14, which is the MMO. Did you play 15? Because this made me realize, like, wow, the last, on. <laughs> you know, Final Fantasy that I played as it was released mm-hmm. was 12, which was on a PlayStation 2. So it has I been played, a long time since I, I played, played 13. A new release... With with lightning, the sort of pink haired. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes. I, I did not play that one. That one's the last one I played, I think, and I don't even think I finished that game. Hmm. Yeah, I know people were a little bit iffy on that game. It was a little iffy. Yeah. So yeah, that was another realization I had. It's like, wow, it's been a long time since I played a new Final Fantasy game. So yeah, like as it was released, like I I go back to you know older Final Fantasy games a lot. I think we both do. Because we just have very like nostalgic feelings towards the you know the older Final Fantasy games, and of course we both played um, Seven Remake. Um, I, I would say that I that was sort of the the modern the last like modern era Final Fantasy game that I played yeah. was the the Final Fantasy Seven Remake, which is quite obviously very very different than this game. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's it's really it is kind of crazy to think about that that that's sort of the last one and the, in, in the chronology, the last one I played was, yeah, it was 13. So yeah. Okay. Crazy. So impressions, what did you think? I actually loved it. Oh, that was fantastic. Um, I was not disappointed in like the palace intrigue. A lot of people, you and I were talking about this earlier, that this is very much sort of like a game of Thrones type of storyline. They even have like characters that are pretty much game of Thrones characters that behave like game of Thrones characters. And I love this. This is a part of the demo where it's like basically a small council meeting. Yeah. I was like, where is the small balls? Because they have this somewhere. And Where's it's the like, cup bearer? And since they're, they're bearing a, a, a crystal meth pipe or whatever it is. It was a crazy Thing. I was like, what's happening right now in this game? Like, is he like smoking like a crystal? They're like, like, they're like squeezing water out of this crystal. How does this yes! work? Yes, it's like a drug induced, like, small council is. meeting or something. I don't know what it is, but. But yeah, that's something magic. a lot of people had said. Like, oh, this game is he- seems heavily inspired by Game of Thrones. I was like, yeah, 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 fine. Like, it's, it's you know, medieval, it's kind of dark fantasy. Yeah. Sure. But then you play it, it's like, oh my gosh. Oh. It is so it's Game so of Thrones. so Game of Thrones, which I love because we're huge Game of Thrones right. fans. And I have always said, like, where is that, like, true RPG Game yeah. of Thrones game? Like, they don't, they didn't make that, just like how they're not never making a Mandalorian game for some reason. But yet, they have this Final Fantasy game that's pretty much plays or, or just gives you that Game of Thrones feeling. Um, I would say that that beginning sequence in the demo was quite the surprise. And I was not expecting that at all with the the crazy, like, mythical creature battle. The sort of battlefield scene that opens with? No, the when you battle, like, the dragon and the phoenix are, like, Oh, that one, in. yes. 
And then later on in the demo, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that I can talk about this freely because people are, yeah. it's like the first two hours it's of the game, It's the first right? two hours we're, of the game. We're all it's a demo good. No one's going to yeah. come at me. Like, no. you spoiled this demo. I'm so, like, scared now after the Zelda debacle. Like, someone's going to be mad. <laughs> Don't be mad. I'm going to tell you what the demo had, what we played in the demo. Um, but, uh, yeah, later on in the, in the demo, when you realize, like, what those two creatures are, you're like, oh, my God. That's what's happening? It's incredible. It's really well done. I was I was like in on this whole storyline. It's good. Yeah, just some other sort of Game of Thrones trappings. Like you were saying, you know, like really getting into the motivations and like the trappings of the people at the top of this kingdom and realizing they're extremely flawed. Yeah. Um, might have a lot of ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to know who you can trust. So that's that's very much in play here. Um, the other thing is this aspect of like anybody could die at any time. Like there it's are so a lot of, fantasy. you know, probably surprising deaths even in these first couple hours mm-hmm. of the game where you think, oh, well, surely that character will be with me for a long time. Like, no, they're dead. Um, I'm curious how more, how much more of that happens. They're going to the, ratchet that up, I feel. Over like. the course of this very long game. Yeah. But they're Don't definitely get people. going for that. Yeah, they always do this. It's like there's some moments of the of the game as I was playing, I was like, this is so Final Fantasy. This is so like them. Like they th- that's great because they have this very special DNA in their games. And even as you look at this like super modern Final Fantasy game that, you know, that we're playing in the year 2023, it's like, yes, this totally reminds me of like Final Fantasy 4 or 6 where um they have these very like these elements that are such a signature in Final Fantasy games that we love and they somehow w- was able to like bring the bring it over into these modern games which is quite oh, incredible. See, I I had slightly a different feeling about that. I thought that the medieval setting of this felt really distinct and different from the setting of like Final Fantasy 4. And I was like you if they remade Final Fantasy 4 in a modern style it would feel pretty different from this I feel. Mm-hmm. Um so I I found that that comparison was not a hundred percent one to one for me. It's like this, this feels different and distinct. I'm still glad that we have the fantasy setting cause I've missed that. Yeah. But it feels very different from the other games, which is honestly probably for the best. I mean, those games are like 30 years old. It's like, yeah. we don't, we don't need to constantly redo the same thing. Yeah. I'm not saying that the world building is like exactly the same, but there are like certain aspects. We got chocobos. There's chocobos. Isn't it chocobos? Anyways. Uh-oh. Is it like a bokoblin, bokoblins nonsense again? But we like got there, moogles. There, there are way, okay, so this is a scene that was so Final Fantasy IV, in my opinion. Like, so it was like the, the eve before Clive or whatever has to go off to, like, they, they have to leave for, like, this impending war. They have to pray to, like, their, you know, the Phoenix God or whatever, which is their tradition. And he's like standing at, like at his balcony, like looking up at the stars, and he has this moment with with girl, the, like the girl potential love interest, and they have this like conversation and this cutscene that's like very Final Fantasy four. I was like, this is this totally reminds me of like the music, you know? It's like yeah. very like a very like kind of anime emotional scene that they they build, um, like that kind of stuff. I'm just getting those vibes like a lot. Yeah, they, that is basically the scene of, of Cecil. I'm not calling him Cecil. Uh, and Rosa very <laughs> exactly. early on in Final Fantasy IV. Exactly. 
Exactly. It, it is interesting to see a Japanese take on the sort, sort of quote, like Western fantasy stuff. Yeah. Because there are certain things like early on in the scene, it's like, Oh, there's this big, there's the big burly guy. It's like that. That's very Japanese. This guy's like eight feet tall. Oh, and he's yeah. like, you know, 900 pounds of muscle. Especially it's when like, you see that, like, like other woman that like, is like, like, right. Like basically like straddling him and you're like, Oh, she's teeny tiny. Her, yeah. his, her, her head is like his whole, like, you know, her, yeah. I'm curious to see more of the game in this lens. Uh, again, this Japanese take on, what I'm assuming is mostly more of a Western fantasy aesthetic. Yeah. If that's what it ends up being, or I, I don't know. I'm just curious to, to see more of that as it happens. It kind of feels like, you know, when there's like anime that's set in like a medieval, like, like, um, uh, Attack on Titan, for example. I was like, what is the name of this anime that's really famous? It's like that. Like, it's like supposed to be like a German, you know, town or whatever that this. Okay. These, all these events are happening in, but it's like a very Japanese aesthetic. Yeah. As to like how they look at, you know, Western fantasy or Western mythology. Like, you know, even the idea of like phoenixes and dragons is very Western. It's in a lot of Western you know, folklore and stuff like that. It's not super, you know, um, it, it's done in a way that's like not super traditional, which I think it's very interesting, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested to see how that plays out. The story is very intriguing already. Like I can't wait to find out what is happening. There are so many characters that you love and that you already have, you know, gotten attached to. And then there's also characters you absolutely hate already, like um, Clive's mom, who is right. the biggest bee ever. Like, oh my gosh, she's terrible. What is wrong with her? I, I want to talk about Clive now, but before we do, I want you to please rate him one to ten on hotness. Oh, please so do the do the people hot. a favor. He's oh. a ten, man. Now what? He's you you seemed a little down on Clive going in. What happened? Well, now I, now he's like heart of gold. So now I'm, now I'm sold. <laughs> I'm a personality girl. But yeah, the oh the man, open- Clive. So they do have like a big flashback in this demo where yeah, yeah. at the very beginning it's, it's current times, but then you go back to youngish and he's like, what? I don't know. 15. 15, 16. He says he's 15. Yeah. Right. So you see what happens that got him into his current situation. Right. Right. Which I was like very shocked. I was very shocked by the event that led up that to was, that. That was a well done storytelling device. So good. It was so well done. And I was surprised. I was really like on the edge of my seat finding out, you know, what was going to happen, who are the, the traitors, who are the people you can trust. Like it definitely had that Game of Thrones intrigue part of it that just had me like right on the edge. Like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what, I don't know. I actually don't know what's going on. I can't call this. Um like who who is the betrayer, you know, who's good and who's bad. Um, but yeah, he has a very interesting character. And um, obviously there's some fantastical elements as well, which comes out in the gameplay of it, which they do very well. And they explain it to you in the demo, which I thought was really good. Um, but yeah, Clyde, yeah this, he's a this whole This whole aspect of in the family, like – you know, Clive is not necessarily the favorite son by any means. He has a younger brother. Yeah, and he has the blessing. So he's basically that he's the heir because he has this power. The dominant to, is called to, I think. Yeah, right. They yeah. call him the dominant to transform into these things they call the icon, which are the giant like monster creatures. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seemed to be that everybody was so disappointed that Clive, who was the firstborn, mm-hmm. did not have this power. So he's very much like a who cares like. 
Yeah. He's just kind of a grunt soldier kind of guy. Right. His job, his only job, because he didn't get the power or the blessing, is to protect his little brother. Right. So, like, his job is just to be, like, a meat shield for his little brother. But basically. his brother also, he's very sickly. So, again, yes. it's like every character has some sort of a defining flaw right. um, that is so different from a lot of these games where it's just, like, these archetypes. It's like, oh, that's the hero. Um, so even yeah. like in those first couple hours, you can see like these little things that are like eating away at either them or the people that they have relationships with. Yeah. Yeah. The parents is very interesting. Like obviously there's, um, their father is like the king or the, the nobleman of, of that region. And the mom who's, I very much dislike is a terrible mother. Okay. Don't give her a mother's day card. Don't give her breakfast in bed because she sucks. Oh no. A terrible mother. Um, but yeah, there's so many like character development things that are happening already that even in those first couple hours that you're like getting these sort of strong feelings towards each of the characters, um, whether you hate them or you love them or you haven't decided, like you're suspicious of them, you know? Yeah. So this demo was extremely story heavy. Yes. And that, that was actually something I, after I finished it, I came away from like, I I kind of wanted a bit more combat in it Mm -hmm. so that I could get more of a feel for it. Um, In that kind of first chunk, there is sort of one main exploration combat mission that you do from beginning right. to end. You do get and to fight some different kinds a couple, of enemies. Yeah, you see sort of the more yep. grunt enemies. There's a couple bosses that you bosses, do. Bosses, yep, little mini bosses. Um, I, I, I would have liked a little bit more because it was so early on. I was like, gosh, this it, it's basically a tutorial. And, and it did feel pretty linear, that one mission that you went on. It's like, I, yeah. I wonder what this is like 20 hours in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm 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 getting the sense that there's a lot of high level customization you can do. It's your character. There is a level up system. Obviously, skill trees. You're getting bonuses when you are battling. You're getting you know spoils when you're battling. You can customize all that stuff. So I can see you know digging into that more as you are you know deeper in the game and and you have more agency and. And you understand your character a little bit more and how you want to play this character. So I'm assuming that that is all going to be part of the um, the evolution process for the character. But it is it was hard to get a sense of that since it was like a two hour demo that was like 80 percent cutscenes. So so you can choose basically like they call it combat focused or story focused. It's basically mm-hmm. like, you know, easy mode. Oh, yeah. Which did you go with? Um, I did combat focused. Oh, Um it wasn't that hard, so. Yeah, I actually started with the story focus for whatever reason, and I found that to be pretty easy. And I, mm. I, it seemed like also the game was kind of like doing a lot of the combos for me, and I was yeah. just hitting like one button. I was like, that's not what that one button does. So I, I, I don't love it when games do that. So I switched over to the combat focus, and it, yeah. I didn't find that to be terribly hard either. It's not, yeah. I have heard people say that the game does get pretty challenging, people who have played more of it. Okay. So I'm curious to see, but I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling fine staying with the, the combat focus. Yeah. Yeah. You get so many potions too. And like, it doesn't feel like that. They're like stingy with that kind of stuff. So, right. So to my, to my earlier concern about not having a party, like they do in that mission, you did have a couple other people with you. You did. They were not really like story critical characters, but 
it was nice to have more than just you. Mm-hmm. And they were doing stuff and, you know, they would deal with enemies a little bit. Um, I know later on you do get this sort of like dog creature friend, Torgal, uh, who you see, you see puppy Torgal in the demo is very cute. Uh, but Torgal eventually becomes like 12 feet tall or something. <laughs> so He's a dire wolf. that's a great companion. I do hope you continue to get more companions with you. I don't, I don't. I'm fine with it not being, you know, the permanent party or whatever, but I, I do like that sense of the more the merrier on this adventure. Really like Torgal. <laughs> Torgal is so cute. And there's so many good Torgal scenes in the demo that I was just like, it just wanna squeeze your face. Um, but Torgal's basically a direwolf. And yes. uh this but even bigger kind of much bigger. Yeah. The main character does have a little bit of Jon Snow vibes a little bit too. Like mm. not. I don't like, want it. I don't want it. <laughs> he doesn't want it. <laughs> um, but like there's a, there's some, there's some comps there. Um, but yes, I, I'm glad that you get a companion. Um, I was, yeah, I was wondering if you, there's like the, the two companions that you get in the demo is very like, they do kind of show up after that little like mission um, and you do have like some emotional moments with some of them later on the demo as well. So I wonder if it's more like that treatment where like these characters maybe don't stay with you forever, like for the whole game, but you yeah. still have some sort of I'm attachment with with, to them um, yeah. for like that chunk of the story or that part of the the sequence or something like that. So yeah. I, I would be fine with that too. Like honestly really like those two. <laughs> they were pretty fun, f- fine companions. And later on when you play as... Um, little Joshua, um, you end up playing that, that character comes back into your party when you're Joshua. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of an interesting way yeah. to treat it. So the combat uses the system, which in some games, I don't love it where there's like a health bar and then there's a stagger bar. Yeah. I don't love it where like you can't really do any damage until you stagger them. Fortunately right, in this game, like right. you can still damage and then stagger. And then you have another little meter that's like how much damage did you do during the stagger phase? Right, right. To help you like rack up those bonuses. Right. Um, yeah. I, I was very much like when I would stagger something, like I didn't totally know like what what is the best combo to do to do the most damage. Like you oh, had a okay. multiplier when it staggered, but yeah. I was I was kind of mostly just button mashing. I'm sure later on, like you'll get more tricks or more abilities. Yeah, to I think really you need to do, do your more. like special when you're put when you stagger them. Cause when I did the special, it was like times like, you know, two thousand. Yeah. Some ridiculous. Right, right. They also have like some of that those trappings of like the this type of you know combo focused battle um or or uh, um fighting system where it's like they have like a cinematic dodge and a cinematic right. uh, attack where they have some crazy cutscene and you like quick time press a button and it does like a thing um i'm fine with those being because they're not super frequent i think if they did it like every Two seconds. A, a quick time event. It would be annoying, like yeah. to like pause and then have like the same like this right. animation happen. But it was it was in moments where I felt like a dramatic thing was happening, so I didn't really mind it. But they they do have that in, in this as well. Yeah. So yeah, overall, I I came away pleasantly surprised by the combat. It didn't feel like overly like flashy for for no reason. And right. it seemed to have a lot of good depth to it. And I, you know, you kind of get a sense for the upgrade system, which seemed cool. So yeah, I, I came away from that feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I did too. Um, I hope that, 
you know, they they find ways to keep it feeling fresh. I think one of the things that's really, you know, wonderful about turn-based Final Fantasy games is that the characters make your battle, you know, those battles feel fresh. There's like dialogue, there's like um, different things that they're doing that makes it feel like it's very much part of integrated into the story. So I hope that this battle system doesn't feel like it takes you out of the story. Um, so far, so good though. Um, yeah, I, I haven't, I wasn't like, this, you know, I wasn't like, this is terrible or something like that, you know, even being pretty skeptical about it. So, yeah. Yeah. So sadly, this is a game that I have to wait until I'm back to continue playing. Uh oh. Um, I did Are not. Are you going to have FOMO? I think I am because I You're didn't gonna bring. You're going to have FOMO. I didn't bring my backbone. I didn't want to fiddle with any like remote play stuff. Yeah, that's going to be tough for you. Um, so I'm just going to have to wait. So I guess uh, we can expect more updates from you next week yes yeah i'm Good. excited i'm gonna finish up tears of the kingdom like i said in the next couple of days and then i'm gonna be fully devoted to final fantasy 16 and i'm yeah. excited about that it's good good great. good uh two other quickies uh, uh games that i played on the plane uh both of these are games i played on the steam deck which i brought with me i had to switch over to a larger backpack to fit in <gasps> All of I had so much stuff in this backpack. I'm like, I got oh this laptop, gosh. I got Switch, I got the Steam Deck, I got other stuff. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but I'm glad I did because I had some games on that that I had been wanting to play that I just didn't have the chance. Um, one is a game called um, Surmount. This is just a demo. And this was in the Wholesome Direct, which happened recently. Yeah. Shout out to the Wholesome Direct. I watched that after maybe the fact. the best direct. That was maybe the best one. Yeah. Um, so many good games. Um, a lot of those games had demos, and this was one that I saw. So remember from the Xbox event, that climbing game. Yes. I, I'm Jusant? blanking on this. Jusant. That Jusant? was the one that stood out to me the most. And I was like, I love the idea of a climbing genre. Well, guess what? This is a climbing game as well. This is much more of a like cutesy, less rooted in reality sort of climbing game. But it's the same sort of idea. It's a super fun. I'm definitely going to be picking this up um, whenever it releases in full. And it's basically, you know, you climb from, you know, up these big mountains. Um, as you get to the top, there's sort of like a town and you can talk to people and do stuff. Um, but the way the climbing works is it's basically, you know, the triggers are your hands. Oh, that's good. So so there are places where you can just do eh, 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 like climb up very climb slowly. Up. Yeah. But the game wants you to like spin around and like slingshot yourself from thing to oh. thing. So again, this is where I, I'm, I'm saying it's not rooted in reality. Don't do that in real life. <laughs> right. Do not do you that. Will fall. Um, as you get to certain like mile points, you can do like, you can hook in with your little carabiner. So you have, you're basically not going to fall. You're assured that you're not going to fall back all the way to the bottom at I that see. point. Yeah. But even those can be challenging because it's like kind of risk reward to get to one of those points where it's like, well, I could just keep going on the easy path or I could, could try and hook in to have a bit more of a safety net there. Um, there's like consumable items that you can get. Uh, but this was just really fun. There's like multiple paths that you can take different, like you kind of react differently based on the sort of surface that you're climbing up. So I really like this a lot. I'm like, I'm super into the climbing genre now. I want more climbing games. Yeah. Um, more climbing games and more games where just, you're just unlocking a map for no reason. Right. And this is another demo where there was a lot of content in it. I, I probably played it for a couple hours. Um, 
so a good one to check out. I, and I played it on Steam Deck. I, I, I imagine it's coming to other platforms as well. Another game that I played that I had that I'd just been putting off is called Deliver Us the Moon. And there's actually another game in this series called Deliver Us Mars. And for some reason, these games just sort of stood out to me. I think you and I are both fans of a certain type of science fiction Mm -hmm. where it's kind of very slow, very very quiet, quiet. It's just you. It's not emptiness of space. It's not super action packed. Uh, Like that. That's very much a genre of movie that I think I we both really like. Yes. You're sort of like alone with your thoughts in space. Yeah. And this is very much mostly what this game is. Oh. So basically, this, this, and it, it's it's pretty story-heavy game, but basically the idea is there's this like colony on the moon and something happened a few years ago and finally you were going to go up and find out what the deal is. So... Mm-hmm there's like a kind of a long sequence at the beginning where you're like getting into your rocket. Um, you're actually going through like the launch sequences, which is really cool. Oh, the launch sequences. Here we go. It's, it's like, very, like, you know, exiting the atmosphere. Yeah, Cause it's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> the cockpit of like a 747. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's like 9,000 fiddly knobs and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, so you finally do that and, and it's really well done. You fly there and then you're in the station and you're in like zero G. First of all, so you're just floating oh. around. So the, the controls are very interesting to float around and, and get around. I do around. like the floaty, that like physics thing where you kind yeah. of flow and have that gravity. It's kind of, is very interesting. Right. But it's, you know, turning the power back on and how do I get into this area? Uh, I've been picking up some items along the way. Like I got like a little um, like welding thing to help me like cut through locks and stuff like that. Oh, nice. There is one mildly stressful thing about this game where occasionally you do need to go through an airlock to get into another place. And there's like a countdown on your oxygen, which slightly stressed me out. But I haven't found any of those to be particularly hard. And they're pretty forgiving about giving you like little oxygen packs along the way. Um, But I like this a lot. This looks really good. I will say this thing ate through that Steam Deck battery. Like you would not believe it. And at one point I like set it down on my lap and it like burn my lap because it's like oh, no. it must be just a very graphically like it, processing like crazy yeah like there's something going on in there yeah so that was that was interesting but i haven't finished it yet i think it's only about five hours long but um i, I really like it and um yeah i might check out the the mars one um after that because nice. yeah, it's, it's it's up my alley yeah i haven't heard i haven't played one of those sort of quiet sci-fi games in a long time um so, yeah, I've been missing that genre. Yeah. So this is on, again, I played it on the Steam Deck, but these games are on uh, PlayStation and Xbox. So they're, they're, yeah. they're out there. Yeah. Maybe a Game Pass. I've, I, I was waiting for a long time of like, these these have to be, these feel like Game Pass games, but they, it hasn't happened they yet. Haven't, they haven't happened yeah. yet. Okay. Yeah. I got that. I got that. Steam sale, though. I had that notification That's a good on my, sale. my wish list. There is yeah. a lot of... That's how I the got summer it. sales are, are happening now, people. I know. There's a I lot know. of Switch games on sale, too. So that's get right. your stuff while you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of games we've been playing. Why don't we move on to the news? All right, we've got a handful of news stories this week. One of them is a bit of an oddball. Uh, but let's start with some, I think, good news for everybody here. So there's a new game coming to Nintendo Switch Online, June 23rd. Fire Emblem, The Blazing Blade! Yay! Wow. I have not played this Fire Emblem game before. As you all know, I am a normie since I played Fire Emblem Awakening as my first Fire Emblem game. But... 
this game, and I, I only learned about this from my wonderful, from our, our wonderful Discord community, our wonderful Patreon community, that Lynn, my favorite in uh, in the latest Fire Emblem game, Lynn is in Fire Emblem um, in, in this latest game, the, the Blazing Blade. So kind of excited about that. Yeah, it's good news. I, I also didn't really do much with Fire Emblem before, you know, it's big breakout with um, Awakening. But I do remember seeing, my, my my exposure was like people would take the animations from Battle of These Games and use them as in GIFs on message boards. So like when I was on, remember NeoGAF? Yeah. When I would go on NeoGAF, people would do that. I was like, wow, that animation looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely was a combination of, you know, all the, all the tactical stuff, but it looked great. It wasn't just like, you know, a really bare bones dry. kind of dry. Yeah. Like, the, you know, at that point, even then the series had a lot of panache. Um, yeah. And this, I, this I believe was maybe like the first one to come out, first Fire Emblem game to come out in the West, which was obviously after people had been exposed to those characters in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so are, it sounds like you're going to be checking this out. In the I'm middle. definitely going to check it out. Might as well. It's yeah. It's an easy, you know, barrier to enter for for me. And yeah, I I think it's great that Fire Emblem has you know, just really grown in, in relevance. And, you know, I, I think it's actually kind of amazing that they brought back so many of the old Fire Emblem characters in the last Fire Emblem game that it sort of piqued my interest in some of these older games that they originated from. So I'm happy to learn about Lynn's origin story. Soon I, to be whale in Fire Emblem Heroes? Is that what you're saying about yourself? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Here, here I come. Drop 100 Gs on... <laughs> The next Some Lynn. gotcha stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a good reason to release this game because they, you know, Fire Emblem is a, is a series that's on the rise and, you know, even now still has a lot of potential. So it makes sense for them to put this out. I mean, it's also great for them to put out literally anything of note on, on NSO. Yeah. Um, we have a question in our Q and A's that, that kind of goes into this a little bit deeper, but yeah, the, the Game Boy Advance section on NSO has got some really good games, but there's just not enough on them. That's right. Yeah, it just feels like such a, a light library, even though the games are pretty high quality. Like, I was so excited for this um, because there's notably a lot of games that I missed on the Game right. Boy. And so I was, I was hopeful that there was going to be some gems in there that I finally get a chance to play on Switch and just um, hasn't come. But this one is definitely yeah. one of them. So there you go. That's something. Uh, up next. So this is sort of a moot point now that Final Fantasy 16 is out, but kind of in the week leading up as happens with these big games, you know, people got their hands on physical copies uh, and they were out there and some people were streaming them, sharing them. Um, It's interesting to compare and contrast Square Enix's response versus what Nintendo did. Exactly. Tears of the kingdom, which was obviously just the scorched earth approach. Right. In this case, they did put out a message from the team that did have a lot of threatening language in it, but at the same time was kind of done in a way where you felt a bit of sympathy for them. Yeah. And you felt a bit of a human touch of like, oh, these developers are impacted and they're upset and they're saddened by this. Mm -hmm. So again, a lot of what they were saying was just as harsh as what Nintendo did, but the way that they worded this made me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, it, it definitely brought um, 
a more human quality into it versus it being like a very like hard and fast black and white legal battle, which is what, what always what I feel with this type of happening at Nintendo, whether it's leaks or, you know, obviously mods was another big thing that we talked about recently. There, there seems to be just this very robotic, harsh, we're going to find you and get you and put you in jail and throw away the key kind of thing. Very legal driven and less about the people that are impacted that I think all of us as fans of video games care about, which is the developers, right? Like this kind of stuff does impact them. It's disappointing for them when the game is experienced in a way that it's not their intention. You know, they've spent years and years and years making an experience and, and wanting players to experience it in a certain way to, to really ensure that people um, get the most enjoyment out of it. So to see that aspect of it um, front and center in their statement, it was, um, was a little bit more, I think, palatable um, than sometimes when Nintendo just comes with the lawyers and the ninjas and, and wants yeah. to, like, get you, you know? Yeah, I mean, they also have a message here of, like, you know, if you happen to get a copy early, like, don't, please don't share spoilers. Right, right. Um, yeah, like, you, you whenever, if, if Nintendo says anything about this sort of stuff, it's always in response to some media asking. They always give you just the most, like, bare bones yeah. PR statement. So it is nice to get something here that's a little bit more to it. I remember when, you know, when we would work on big games, I think we did this for Breath of the Wild and, and maybe Mario Odyssey as well. We would occasionally send to media a similar letter from the development team. Yeah, we did. That was talking about, you know, just, just some thoughts they had on the game and the importance of surprise, which was basically a, hey, don't break the embargo. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thinly veiled message. Um but a little bit go a little goes a long way with this sort. It of thing. does because you you understand if you are someone that is seeking to do something like this or someone that is holding a copy of a game in your hands that might not have been released yet, you can see the person behind it, the human person that worked really hard on this game behind it, and maybe that will sway you to, you know, be a little bit more careful and, and less cavalier with with what it is that you have. So. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a good approach. Obviously, these, these leaks cannot be stopped for anything anymore, apparently. It just is, is not possible in the age that we live in. I really do love this um, the headline language, too. Illegitimate acquisitions. <laughs> it's very Don't square, do it. It's very square Enix of them <laughs> to say it like that. When we were at Nintendo, I would sometimes take solace in the fact that, like, okay, well, yeah, Nintendo's got some uh, stuck-in-their-way tendencies but you know who's really stuck in their ways can be square enix yes so i was like some there's somebody else out there who's even more like hardcore about this stuff and in this case the, the tables have flipped this is like that pokemon situation that we always joke around about where before pokemon was such a difficult company to work with with all of their restrictions and all of a sudden they sort of flipped and nintendo became the the you know the more difficult company to work with and now it's the same thing with Square Enix like we used to have lots of different um you know marketing activities we'd plan with Square Enix and we'd always be a little nervous because like oh man they they probably they probably have a pretty tough approval process and we need to build in some extra time working with this team at Square because they just have very particular um but yeah I, I'm I'm 
pleasantly surprised to see the a bit of a human touch here. And um, yeah, they've been pretty open too recently with those little development Q&A things that they've been doing. So I don't know. Way to go, Square. Protect creative business unit three at all costs. Not two, That's, though. Not or two. four. Not two or four. We don't care about them at all. Forget, forget those guys. Yeah. Um, our last story here. Trust us, there will be a point to this. So <laughs> the uh, in Los Angeles, there is a theater that is currently called the Microsoft Theater. Yes. Um, this is where the Game Awards happen. Yes. This is where Nintendo used to have its press conferences. E3 press conferences. This is where a lot of like big concerts come through. And it's kind of part of a big plaza that they had built up. It's got like restaurants and shops mm-hmm. and it's where the it's called LA live Los Angeles Lakers play there too. Yeah. And so as part of that, they also had, they called the Plaza Xbox Plaza. So it had very right. heavy Microsoft branding. Um, and that started, um, I don't know, maybe like seven, eight years ago or so. So they have, they have changed the name. I guess they had, the rights were up. It will now be called, um, the Peacock theater and peacock place somehow they found the money for that um so interesting that the the naming for this is is going away this is one of those things that if you're microsoft it's like yeah i have no way of actually justifying the the purpose of spending this money or like what what does this actually get you um but this 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 stood out to me and i wanted to include it because when this happened was the tail end of when Nintendo was still doing physical press conferences. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a nine alarm fire, but there was some, I was like, it was like we're going to be doing alarm fire. We're going to be doing our press conference in the Microsoft theater. Oh yeah. no. Nintendo has a lot of these sort of things. Um, this one was definitely the most like public of it all because it pu- was publicly named the Microsoft theater. And so when you put it on an invite or yeah. you, you tweet, where your press conference is happening, you have to literally write the words Microsoft Theater into that that copy, which kind of was a little bit of like salt in the wound or like a little dagger, a dagger in the yeah. heart a little bit. Um, yeah, but it, it's weird, you know, when, when that happens and your branding is, is mixed with your competitor's branding, but in no with without your control at all. Um, yeah, early days at Nintendo, they wouldn't even use any Microsoft Office suite products. Like we would not, we did not have Outlook <laughs> at Nintendo when I started. We were using Exchange or uh, this other program. I can't even remember what it's called. It was terrible. Um, and of course, if you want to be a functioning office, you maybe should get like a bigger product like Microsoft or, or Google Suite or something like that. But um, their pride uh, would not let them. So we suffered through really subpar <laughs> office um, products for a long time. So yeah, maybe, maybe this doesn't mean to a lot of other people, but as you know, as I was browsing the news, I just had to have a chuckle of like, oh, the Microsoft Theater. That, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's a Peacock Theater. So, and now, you know, Dis- uh, Disney, um, NBC and Nintendo Universal and Nintendo seem to be on good Oh, that's right. This terms. is, you- oh, oh, we are so back. Nintendo E3 press conference. Bring it back. It's Bring time. it back. Peacock Theater. We can, do, we can, we can finally do it. Do it. We can rename finally it to do the it Mario Theater. Yes. Rena- re- <laughs> rename it to um, uh, Nintendo Land. Place. Wow. I really had not realized that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So we're back. They're back. Not Fully we're back. Not Fully back. Um, this episode is not sponsored by Microsoft Excel, but this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Yes. 
Let me tell you something. You spend a lot of time, you and I collectively, and all of us in the world, giving of ourselves to other people. It can be so hard to find the time to give back to yourself, to find time for yourself, to do whatever it is that you need to unwind. This is an example of the sort of thing that a BetterHelp therapist can help you with. Yeah, it's so easy in your day-to-day life as you go through um, all of the things that you have to do, all the people that you're supporting, all of your responsibilities to just be giving away so much of your time and attention and energy and not really leaving a lot for yourself behind, which can be really tough. And as I always say, if your cup is empty, you cannot fill someone else's cup. That is what it is. So a better help therapist can really help you find some balance and give you someone to talk to about, you know, what you can do to, um, have more balance in your life um, and, and give you some tools uh, so you can fill your own cup up um, and and not leave yourself behind. Yeah, it's entirely online. Uh, you fill out a brief questionnaire to find out what it is that you want to focus on and you get matched up with a therapist right away. It's also very uh, easy to switch over to different therapists if you're looking for something else. Uh, You can do it through video. You can do it through audio only. You can even do it just through text. So it's very easy uh, to get into therapy, which can be a bit of a a scary thing for people to get into the first time. But BetterHelp makes it quite easy. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Kit and Krista today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Kit and Krista. All right. Shall we move on to questions from our wonderful Patreon community? Let's do that. We get each and every question uh, every week on this podcast from our Patreon community. We also do an exclusive uh, bonus Q&A, which you can only find if you are a Patreon subscriber. But let's get into our first question here from Jake. I feel like it's a meme at this point, but what's the deal with the slow trickle of NSO games? Where's Mario Party 3, which was announced months ago? Virtual consoles seem to have some kind of rhyme or reason to it. So we're back to the boy. When you're saying that virtual console had a rhyme or reason, and your new thing doesn't, that ain't good. Yeah, I don't know. I think the virtual console. Maybe we uh, we forgot about. We didn't know what we had with virtual. We, console. I know we were like we, the grass can't can't uh, can't be this bad. You know, it has to be greener on the other side. Yet, yet we didn't know what the other side was going to be, which is the NSO games. So here we are. So I was surprised when they added some of those newer platforms because. I mean, the writing was on the wall that Nintendo Switch only has so much left to it. And a lot of times when you're doing work on these games, like it's very specific to get it to run on a specific platform. Right. So I had always, I was, I had always thought like, yeah, we'll get more platforms in the future when we're on the new system and they can do the work to have a full big library to support that and get a lot more games ready for that. I still think that that is a factor at play here where they're like, Mm. oh, we have, you know, X more months to go on the Switch and we're sort of rationing out, like, really severely these handful of games that we got done. So I don't think this is going to change at all on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just something that is kind of a reality of where we are with this. You can hope things will be better on the next, next system, but the way it's been going, I don't know. Yeah. We keep saying this, but it is really scary to think about what the next online um offering will be uh for nintendo like let's just 
all of us collectively, again, manifest that it just all carries over very seamlessly, like everything that we've already purchased and have on Nintendo Switch, the way that the NSO works as as weird as it is, we kind of got used to it, I think, over the last, you know, years with Nintendo Switch. Like, hopefully that just carries over. Like, we don't have to do a new thing because that would be clunky and disappointing. Um, but in terms of, yeah, the, the frequency of games and, and how many games are still left, uh, I think you're right that it's going to be pretty slow and they're probably factoring this into like the what is left to launch on Switch and using this to like fill some of those probably like pretty visible holes that we're going to see um, later this year. Yeah, if we get to the next system and it's this kind of drip release of the same games that we had before, I'm going to be pretty upset. I, I don't see the point of even now, like if you have these games done, just put them out. Like the, the the large library provides value for people right away. And it's not like releasing a new game where you need to, you know, announce them kind of as you go to keep right. excitement high. Like this serves a different purpose for your player base. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to spiral too deep into despair yeah. with this question, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of down on it. Yeah. I mean, e- even if you put them all out and it's just like a library of content, like yeah. what Netflix has or it's like great. what HBO has in terms of like shows that you've watched, like they have all of Friends, basically. Like, why, right. you know, we can just have all of Mario Party. We're but not re releasing every episode no. of Friends once a week. Exactly. But what you could do is you could like market it in clever ways, like on an anniversary of a game, like, sh- like shout out that game or highlight that game on like, you know, some holiday. You could like bundle some stuff together. Like, there's ways to you know, spotlight certain things without you having to actually release the thing. Like it can just be there, you know? Well, that would involve acknowledging an anniversary. We have to, we have to move on from this question. <laughs> we, have, we have to, we're bailing out on this. Bailing Rip out. Cord. Okay. Uh, Ripping cord. Uncharted 95 is next. Hi, Kit and Krista. I was wondering at the time when you guys worked at Nintendo during the Wii era, were there any internal reactions or opinions on Microsoft's Kinect and Sony's PlayStation Move? When they came out, a lot of people seemed to compare them to the Wii remote and the motion gimmick behind the Wii. Considering the huge success of the Wii, I don't think there was a moment of concern, but I'm curious if you guys discussed it internally. Oh, well, if, oh. There's, if there's a moment to be concerned, Nintendo's going to go all in on that. Yeah, yeah. They can't, they can't ever let a, a potential panic moment pass them by. Um, I will say that for this particular instance, um, we had already been very seasoned and we were already living in this state that was very much championed by Mr. Awada of being sort of never like resting on your laurels and never resting on your current success. So we at the time was game buster popular, obviously, and all the grandmas and the senior homes. And it was certainly had broken out from just video games to like pop culture or like cultural phenomenon. And so I think it would have been very easy for all of us at the company to be like, wash our hands now. We can sit back and not do anything and relax and and just let the success like carry us. Um, but Mr. Water never let us do that. They, he was very much like, this is where companies fail is when you like rest on your success. You can you always have to be looking over your shoulder because someone is going to copy you because of your success. And and that is exactly what happened. Um yeah. and so when um, you know, connect and, and and move came out. It was sort of like we had already been expecting it because we had been, 
lectured about it so much that it wasn't like people in, in the company were like shocked, like, oh my God, I can't believe they have the audacity to copy us. Um, but more so like that's kind of exactly what Mr. Awada and the leadership team had told us to be cautious of and and to always be moving on to the next thing. So while there was some panic, I think it was not like a surprise um, when this happened. You know, today Connect is a joke and that product line is gone. But when that first came out, that was a real phenomenon and a huge success. Like they, those first cut like year or so sales numbers for Connect are really impressive. Yeah. And that was the one that I think people were concerned about because it, it did feel like a very futuristic step on the technology of motion game. We're like, whoa, if this thing works, like this, this is like, you know, my, this is the minority report example that everybody <laughs> talks about. And you got the feeling that Microsoft was putting a lot of resources into this to make it a success. So that was the one that people were, yeah. I think, justifiably concerned about. Again, obviously, it eventually fizzled out, and I think it led to people getting burned out on motion controls in general. Right. But it had, it had a good start. Move was not as much of a concern. Right, because it was so similar to the form factor of a Wii Remote Right. And you could tell like, yeah, Sony like wants to get in this. It's kind of like what they're doing with VR where they're like, kind of like, it's this little thing we have on the side for people who want it. It's like, they're, they're they want to be part of the conversation of like that hot thing right. or that interesting new, potentially new thing, just in case that thing really takes off. They don't want to be completely without a product. I think that's usually their um, kind of like their habit of how they approach it. Exactly. Uh, Riven has the next question. After waiting six years for Tears of the Kingdom, why can Link still not pep pet the good puppers? I would also love to pet the goats and Dondons and other critters. They're all so adorable. I would give anything to pet a Dondon. Why won't you? I can feed it the gems. I can do all sorts of stuff, but I can't touch it. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I want to touch it. I want to touch it. So... Um, I can basically guarantee you, again, I don't, I don't know, but I am certain that somebody at localization has told the development teams about the existence of the Can You Pet the Dog Twitter channel and just said like, hey, this is a really easy PR hit for your game if yeah. you can just let somebody easy pet win. a dog. Easy win. But I think this is one of those things where you get, we talked hard. about this earlier on in our video where it's like, they just had a line in the sand of the scope where it's like, these are the things that we need to get right in this game. Yeah. And if that results in you not being able to pet the dog, that's fine. We'll live with that. Yeah. And they, they had so many. Um, that checklist was like unending. I yeah. Think. And, and we talked a lot about like when they get singularly focused on one, you know, every item on the checklist is someone's profession, perfectionist spiral. Like someone has spiraled for like six years to perfect that one thing on the checklist. So if we were petting the dog, oh, man, they would have tried to do too much with petting the dog um you can't give the puppy like a little food and it gets happy yeah and it can sniff out your treasure it's kind of nice yeah one day is all the pics of dogs the dog up on the flip side you can hunt down wolves so there's a bit of a duality there i don't hunt the wolves (laughs) i only hunt the ugly maybe they can do away with those enemies in the next game the wolves we don't need we don't need evil dogs for you to take out in video. No, wolf. Like we can just just give us like really ugly things to hunt. Like 
I don't know. More, I, more I'm warthogs? fine. I'm fine with like hunting the bir- like like the bir- like duck hunting, like you know, like uh, taking down like a bird or like even like a like a I don't know, like a deer bird lovers of the world are not happy with you right now. The Audubon Society is coming after me immediately after this. <laughs> Going to go eat a recording. giant roast duck after this. Mm, um, I do love roast duck. <laughs> Switching it up underscore has the next question. I have finished my playthrough of Tears of the Kingdom. Leading up to this, I tried to delay finishing the game as I was scared of not having to play it anymore. I've slowly weaned myself off the game over the last week and decided to play some indie games as a palate cleanser. You spoke in the recent podcast about how big and long AAA games can be these days. I know sometimes I just want to play a short, fun experience. Recently, I've played Planet of Lana, Hello, Good Boy, and Dordon. All gorgeous short indies. I feel like these games are important as they give me a moment in time and pull on my heartstrings, even though they may only be four to six hours worth of game. Why do you think length of games is always a selling point for AAA games? I know I did not have 100 plus hours to play all these games, and at times it turns me off to buying them. Have you guys ever not played a game because of its length? Also, can you think of a time an indie game had an emotional effect on you and created a great moment? Please recommend. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm with switching it up underscore on all of his points here because um, we were we were debating this a, a bit in the last podcast, and I do the same thing as as um, as he does, where I will play like a super long, you know, big open world game, and then if there's time in between, that's my indie game dapple time, and usually I try to like squeeze in you know a few indie games um, between big you know big triple A titles. Um, I I will say that I think there is this correlation and this is probably a very real correlation that the amount of money it takes to develop a triple A big open world game is proportional to how much money you can sell it for. Plus like people's perceived value of that game, which I feel like may not necessarily always be like one to one to one, but that is how like the, business model of it works um so i I do think that has something to to do with why these games are are huge in scope yeah there must be something about the way like the startup costs for these games of like oh we got the engine or we got the tools we got all this stuff where it's like we're spending so much on this already we might as well make it really big in scope Mm -hmm. um like you were said so we can so we can you know maximize our opportunity with it there are still, though, a lot of people out there who really do look at the length and, like, the staying power to make a, a buying decision. So I, I imagine that is backed up by some of the research that these companies are doing as well, where it's like, if you're doing a certain type of game, like, they want X amount of content or now, yeah. you know, post-release content to, to feel justified in doing it. I do think it's gotten overboard, though, like where one, in one of these upcoming episodes, we're making a list of all the games that are coming Stop out this year. Stop saying that. We're going to do it. You're making and me nervous. There are some that we just can't get to because these games now are so big and so long and everything mm-hmm. is 100 hours. So like Persona 5, yeah, it sounds like an amazing game. I don't know if I'll ever play that now. Triangle strategy is my white because whale. <laughs> I know, like on, the, I'm staring down the barrel of like five other hundred hour games, and I can't go back to this. Like, what am I? You, you tried, you couldn't even put a dent in that game. So, I what tried. am I gonna do? Four, I'm four dungeons in now, you guys, and it's been like Come on. it's been like it's been like at least twenty hours. At four least. of like a billion. That's what I'm saying. I, I keep banging this drum. Like indie games are truly the glue that is holding this industry together at this point. Yeah. 
Like truly, the quality of those games is so high now. The um, variety, is the so, variety. That's my main thing. Variety, uh, like everything, like that. That AAA games really, like, are not always. Not, obviously, not the quality part, but um, a lot of those games can feel a little bit samey. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That to your earlier point, the, the reason why they feel samey is because a lot of them are built on the same engine. Like, but you, yeah. you, you're gonna build the Breath of the Wild engine. You're gonna want to squeeze as much out of it as you can because you spend million years doing it, you know? So yeah. that all makes sense from a business perspective. You have to understand that I, I think the business of video games plays a huge factor into all of this stuff because people still have to sell the games. Um, but yes, I agree that indie games is holding us all together, is keeping giving us a chance to cleanse our palates between these big games that almost feel like um, – at times, like we have to play them because if you don't, you feel left out. <laughs> and totally. maybe that's that's something of our own making. You know, that's you certainly don't have to, but I think the internet makes it so hard not to. Um, but yeah, I have been very interested in the Dordon game. I'm hoping I'm yeah. pronouncing that right. That's the like the watercolory looking right. like French game that looks so good. I actually downloaded it for Switch, so I'm going to play that up for oh, a neat. little bit um, as well. Um, if I have time before next, before Final Fantasy 16. Before your I'll, next 100 hour I'll game. Yeah. Dabble, yeah. Um, but there's been tons of games that are like very much pulled on the heartstrings. Like that game, Little Gator, that we both played. I love Little Gator game. I, I know Switching It Up underscore has played that game. Okay. But I would, I would strongly recommend that. I think yeah. Night in the Woods is another Night one that like gives you the emotional moments that, that, yes. that you know, he's looking for. Even there's like, so many. Uh, this is not really an indie game, but like the Life of Strange, Life is Strange games. Hmm is very good short and has like a huge emotional story payoff. So, yeah. All right. VGM life has the next question. Hi, Kit and Krista from a marketing standpoint. What do you think the optimal duration is between releases in a series? Even assuming that there are no QA issues, the answer seems to be longer than one year, but is there a sweet spot that maximizes both pre-release hype and long-term series sustainability? Thanks. Yeah, nowadays it seems like the cadence is release the main game, release one to three DLC. Some DLC. And then you wait, sometimes for a very long time if there's a pandemic, um, for the the sequel. Um, Or there might be like a spinoff game too, like in that time that you're waiting for the main game. From my perspective, I think, I, I like that there is some DLC for the the. You know, like, let, let's just use uh, Zelda as an example, because that's what we're all thinking about still. So Breath of the Wild, then we have two DLC packs, then we had Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, and then we waited for like a million years because this game got delayed. But seven and years is not the answer to this question. That, that was my point, is that that is not the answer. Um, but I, I did like, um, I did like that there was the DLC after uh, Breath of the, the Wild main game, and there was that Age of Calamity that kind of like yeah. kept you in the universe and gave you some right. new story things um, to tide you over. So there's things that I think companies can do in between releases to like keep the interest in that franchise um, and keep you like engaged in that world. Um, I would say like no more than two years though would be, that's hard. The guy from Xbox just said it takes 10 years to make these games. Sorry, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I the think. seven years is not the answer. The annualized is obviously not the answer no. either. Like, every, I mean, every year they keep putting out these Call of Duties and it feels like the wheel's about to come off. But somehow they keep, they can, they're able to do it. But that's too much. There are, a lot, there are some games 
that are so all consuming that I need time to like deco- like Monster Hunter is a game. Well, cuz you were, An- you were Animal Crossing is another game where it's like I put so much into this like if you put out another Animal Crossing game like a year later I would not play it. Because it's just I I you invested so it. much into that like I need to take a little break. It's nice to take up not always be playing the exact same thing. Or, I'm going to say or Sorry, oh, I'm going to oh, interrupt you for one yes, second. Please. Or is the answer, now this might not be a, a good solution, but is the answer like the Mario Kart DLC pack answer? Where you just sure. never, like, if there's you're... There's no new game. There's no new game. I, I, I think it could work really well for a game like Mario Kart or Mario Party or something like that. Where it's like, you don't need to, like, reinvent right. the wheel every time. It's just the racing I, I, I think we're going to be seeing Nintendo doing more of that in the future, honestly. I don't know yeah. how much other companies will, but I think that's a thing. I feel like, I'm going to say, like, three to four years, I think, is a good... Dep- I mean, it depends on what the game is, but I, I feel like that's good. Where, again, you can fit in the game and any DLC... Um, Give people a bit of a break so that the the interest can build up again. It doesn't feel like oh, I just I, I'm still playing this game or I just finished playing this game. Um, clearly, this is this is a, a question where you can have multiple opinions though, based yeah. on the way you're you're looking at me right now. I really like the four year mark. It seems a long time. Four uh, years, it, it's a it's like a huge part. Your life is different in four years. So. I feel like we should get a sequel before your life completely changes. You're on the edge this week. So we are, get, we are once again moving on. Think of how many Nintendo Directs happened in four years. Wow. Especially if I never come back from this vacation. Okay. Uh, our final question is from Zroy. Hey, you two. Your video about the horse game and how the Switch is clearly winding down got me feeling a bit reflective. With the understanding that there's still some time for certain things to be announced, what would you say is your biggest Switch regret in other words, what is the thing you were most hoped would come to Switch but has not done so yet? This could be a game, a hardware revision, an OS function, or anything along those lines. Mine would have to be the absence of a new Rhythm Heaven game. Oh, it's a I good question. We, I wish we had a Rhythm Heaven game. That would have been so perfect on Switch. This is a great question. I'm still holding out hope for some of this stuff, but I really wanted this Wind Waker HD to come. Mm. But it may happen still. It's too early to say, though, that it's it won't. It's too early that it won't. Yeah, that it might, you know, it might still happen. So let's just keep our fingers and toes crossed for that one. The other one, the other Switch regret, I was kind of bummed that we never saw, like, a true, um, oh, my gosh, I'm totally blanking. You go. Let me think. Let me think All right. this a little bit more. I have two. Um the first is like how inconsistent online play is in, in different games. So, for example, Mario Kart 8 and Arms were two games that were like surprisingly really competent online. Like they they worked. Like you didn't run into lag depending on like who you were playing with. Like really really worked well in my experience. Yet Smash Brothers and other games like are a complete slideshow if you're yeah. playing with the wrong people. Right. I have yet, like, we've had a lot of Smash Brothers games that have online play. I have yet to play one that actually works well at this point, which is really frustrating given how much I would yeah. actually like to do that. Yeah, that's um, true. So one would hope for the next system things would progress more and we could get more games online that, that actually work because people yeah. like to do that. The other thing just goes back to, you know, the, the classic games and the handling of those continues to be such a big missed opportunity. Um 
you know, Nintendo could put out more of its first party games and that could be a big selling point. Nintendo could be much more aggressive with third parties to get them to put out their games on whatever the NSO equivalent is in the future. Just doesn't seem like a priority though. It's a bummer. I remember what I was going to say now. Tamodachi life. Oh yeah. I miss some of those and and games in that genre. I miss some of those 3DS gems that we, we, we got, you know, Fantasy Life, Tomodachi Life, all games that end with life. Um, yeah, some of there's those, a new Fantasy Life coming. I know, but it's not here yet. Wow! When is it coming? Again, how many hundred hour games do you have to finish before Where you can play Fantasy it? Life? That's pro- that's another hundred hour. Game. I was going to oh, no. say Style Savvy, but there that that new fashion game is basically oh, that is basically Style Savvy. It's in Sophia, yeah. so we're okay. But yeah. yeah, there's like some of those little 3ds gems that we I did sink so many hours into those games. Yeah, we don't. We haven't gotten on Switch. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's like a bygone era. I don't know. Hopefully not. Well, that's all of our questions for the week. Thanks to everybody who sent one in. Again, uh, you can sign up for our Patreon and send us a question at any tier. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we shout out some of our beautiful, wonderful superstars? Let's do it. Here we go. Aaron Hash. Ben Icorn. Maru Mayhem. Eigenverse. Kiss my flapjack. Mike Chin. Mr. Rogers. Roy Eschke. Switching it up, underscore. Safazon. The Shark Among Men. VGM Life. Link, the hero of Wins. Angela Bycroft, Nerd Pig Molly. Turbocharge Nerd. Thomas O'Rourke. Kyle LaBeouf. Christopher Lara. Simon. Frederick Ulf Conradson. And Andrew Uhas. Hooray! Hooray! Um, Angela Bycroft is the winner of our One Up Club meetup. Oh my goodness! Sweepstakes yes. recently, so I have to got the Street a, Fighter Six. I got to send a price. Street Fighter Six to New Zealand, which is going to be down fun, under, which is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. going to be fun for me. <laughs> did you see, do, do people from New Zealand take offense if you call that down under? Is that like an Australia trademark thing? You might have just offended. I may have indirectly Angela. offended millions of people. Oh, well. You might have indirectly offended Molly, but whatever. Ugh. All right, then. One Up Club graduation ceremony. Here we go. A-Rom Burgundy. Adam and Ansley. Jean Malari. Ale Alejandro. Alexandra Pratt. Astro Dev. Bad Moon Horizon. Ben GB. Bookum Dano. Brad SF56. Brooke Obscura. Brookie Kazooie. Bruce Dash. Chelly Squirrel. Christopher Lay. Cozy Tar. Captain Alex. C. Roper 17. Daniel Cold. Daniel Phillips. Doxon. The Dash. Dolce. Dino Punch. Elite Peach. Elix 780. Esparts 50. Fart Priest 69. Furbound. Fernie and Jess Forever. Fox Deploy. Fred Rossi. Garrett Holfish. Garth the Wolf. Gartooth. G Sun 101. Yin Iris Marin. Israel Izzy. J Rando. Jabroni Jones. JBJ. Jeffrey Hernandez. Jerry92602. Jesse Hernandez. John Responte. Jonathan Rowe. Jordan Collette. Jordan Hemmerly. Joseph DeHaze. Joshua Clements. Juji Fruit. Just Camtro. Justin Leminger. Cairo Trigger. Kawa2796. Keith Kwan. Kelpshake. Kevin Delane. Kilo Kibo. Chris Yu. Christopia Party With Me. Kyle Gamer Barry Rookie. Kyle Kretzer. Tyler Nelson. Linnell Stickman. 
Lennis Sullivan. Lit. Mad Dog 5981. Marky Man 64. Mecha Dragon 101. Megan. Michael Cravens. Mikey. Motomania. Mr. Andy Pong. Mr. Beans and Dip. <clears throat> oh my gosh, I lost my place. Uh, MSN Poke Gamer. My Trant. Nasir. Nathan Burkhart. Nick E. Ninja 11. Panda Buns. Paul C. Pace. Paul Gale Network. Prime Factor. Prince Charmless. Raver. Rain Tech. Renee Rivers. Rick Alvarado. Ryath One. RJ Kern. Rob Osborne. Rocks. Ryanetta. Sam Neeland. Sharif Jackson. Slowbro. Shrews. Silly Ferret. SJ Sharky 777. Spicy Munchkin. Steel Citrone. Tales of Link. Tefu. Terra Storm. Thomas Alvarez. Topher Schmofer. Travis Torline. Troopage. Tugs Puppy Bear. Tusku. Tyler Geis. Vesves. Video Game Stupid. Virtual Bot. Weeb Kingdom. Wicked Davy. Will Ernst. Will Johnson. Zudiverf. Zelgaroth. Zapati. And Zroid. Zroid. What happened? You cleared your throat and lost your I saw something out of the corner of my eye and I got distracted. It was like a bird or something. (laughs) Was it a UFO? I don't know. Was it a bowl of beef noodle soup flying through your window? It's my next (laughs) meal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, don't forget to subscribe to us on patreon.com slash Kit and Krista to support this and everything else you see on our channel. Thank you very much. If you are watching this on video, you can go ahead and subscribe to the Kit and Krista YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and also leave us a comment. If you happen to be listening on audio, you can also subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and also a written review. Yeah. And don't forget to follow us on the socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. That's right. All right. You need to get on with your day. And it's continue exploring beautiful Taiwan. Off I go. And I need to go to bed. So <laughs> <laughs> Time zones. Okay. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.